yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. It was another exciting and dramatic weekend of National Football League action with David Clifford kicking a sensational point on Saturday night as Kerry pipped Mayo at the death. Dublin also got their first win of the campaign over Roscommon on Saturday afternoon, while there were also Division 1 victories for Derry and Galway. There was plenty to talk about in Division 2 as well, with Kildare and Cork both suffering their third consecutive defeat, and the prospect of Talchon Cup football later in the year becomes very real for both teams. So there's plenty to discuss on today's episode of the Throw and Football Show. With us salary here, I'm delighted to be joined by Colm Keyes and Dick Clerken for our chat today. And Dick, you know, with three rounds played now of league action, we're kind of approaching the halfway point. We can make maybe some judgments on certain teams and what directions they're trending in. I might just ask you first, yeah, from Division One, like what team has stood out to you the most? And I, I know who you're writing about, kind of focusing on today in your Irish independent piece. So I suspect it could be that team. But who, who's kind of caught your eye the most? Yeah, listen, it's hard to look past Derry at the minute. Like they're top of the table, they're undefeated in in 2024. They've been thoroughly impressive in 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 all, if not most of their game. So really, there's there's no real dent in their form to say that you, you couldn't sort of put them up as the standout team. Now, it's it's the middle of February. You have to asterisk all of that. The same as everyone is sort of referencing to be operating at a much higher level in terms of the the, the personnel they have out on the pitch. They're, they've basically got all their, their best players available and the, the, the pace and the, the intensity that they're playing at which is not always what you would see with with the top tier teams at, at this time of the year who maybe are playing the longer game. So so based on where we're at, there, there's no question about it. It, it, it. It's it's Derry's league for all intents and purposes. But listen, the discussion point is like knowing what their ambition is in terms of a an All Ireland in, in July. Can they maintain that? And and that's probably the conversation that you know Mickey Hart and the Derry you know, football are, are quite happy for people to have because because that pushes belief that pushes the psyche that no, we're, we're the real deal here um, but it comes at a risk because listen there's plenty of times over the years we've seen teams have and I would have experienced this myself you know just not able to to take another step when it comes to June and July football when you've put a lot into the into, into the spring that being said you know these players are are almost professional in what they do there's no reason that they can't maintain that level of energy. It's just whether injuries that sometimes can't be predicted are kept away from the door because they are reliant still very much on a sort of core line of players that we said time and time again, but they're still turning week in, week out, putting in huge performances. 
Colin, what's your perspective on the question about whether Derry can maintain this over a, a long season? You know, July, the end of July is when the Ireland football final is played. We only have to look at maybe Mayo last year. They won the league. They appeared to be primed for a great summer. And while they did, you know, beat Kerry in the in the round robin, ultimately they end, you know, they lost in the quarterfinals of the championship. They got knocked out early in the provincial championship. So maybe that's a kind of a warning sign potentially. But do you think this is something sustainable for Derry that they can maintain these level of performances all the way up throughout the year? Yeah, I think they probably can. They they almost did it last year, Will, with a very similar trajectory. They were only minutes away from being in an All-Ireland final and it took a really big effort from Sean O'Shea and David Clifford and those to uh, to overhaul them in the All-Ireland semi-final and how well they had played for up to 55, 60 minutes of that game. Now, you might say, well, it caught, to the, it caught them at that stage. But I think probably squad depth as much as anything else is is where they have fallen down. Um, and and that's not maybe because the squad wasn't there. It's because of maybe the policy that was there in place where uh, so few players were introduced. If you look back at Derry over the last couple of years on in Rory Gallagher's time, he used all the same players almost all the time. And that was a policy that took them so far, obviously. But now you can see a difference in Mickey Hart's approach Uh I think he's used up to 30 in the mid-30s players. That was unheard of in Rory Gallagher's time. Rory Gallagher operated a squad with between 29 and 30. It was up to 30 last year when Kieran McFall came back. Mickey Hart has introduced, I think it's eight league debutants so far this year. So there's a completely different approach, yet while still maintaining the fundamentals of what Derry have taken, um, what has taken Derry so far this year. And it's obviously striking where the source of the goals are coming from, not just in this league, but throughout last year's championship as well. Conor Doherty, Porrick McGrogan and Conor McCluskey all scored goals the other night. They also scored goals in last year's championship. You have Gareth McKinnon scoring goals as well in last year's championship. There's four defenders straight away who are capable of getting up the getting up the pitch and applying finishes as good as what they did on Saturday night. So very impressive all round from Derry. I still think Shane McGuigan needs another outlet in support to be able to more consistently uh, score up there. Obviously, they're getting their source of scores from everywhere else, but he still needs just one more outlet up there that can take some of that pressure off him just as a diversion, whatever it is. I just think they're still one forward short to making a difference, although they are right now, as Dick said, right now they are they are the best team on current form, closely tracked probably by Kerry. Uh, and it's significant that those two teams are probably closest to what their championship teams will be. Kerry are probably only a couple of players off where, where they are. Derry, the same, maybe one, maybe two. So that's how close those two teams are. And that's significant that they're both on top of Division One. And I think at this stage, early call, but I think the most likely uh, finalists. Yeah, Derry, three, the only team three from three in Division One. They've scored the most and conceded the least. So obviously all metrics are, are, are looking yeah, good. And, and uh, I suppose as well, just on that point, we're, we're not looking to pick holes in Derry because the same argument applies for maybe Dublin and Kerry, who, who I'm sort of putting in as, the, as the, the top of the big three now. Like, you know, Kerry are obviously hugely dependent on David Clifford and, you know, Conal Callaghan, if he can keep that form going forward for Dublin, he's very much their standout forward. Now they may be a wee bit more balanced in depth, but like, you know, 
just been dependent on a, on a standard all-star caliber forward isn't necessarily a weakness for Derry because a lot of teams, God knows Monaghan, have been that case for the last 10 plus years with Conor McManus. It's just, it's, it's just a risk point. There's no obvious replacement for the likes of a Shane McGuigar in terms of the, 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 the output that he's getting in games. Like his consistency on the scoreboard is, is phenomenal because he's playing against the best players in, in sort of packed defensives. So you just don't replace a Shane McGuigan overnight. But listen, there's no need to replace him at the minute and, and Mickey Hart would be delighted with that. Yeah, they certainly looked the, the team to beat in the leagues so far. You know, you mentioned Kerry there, Colm. You know, a dramatic late win against Mayo. I think a lot of people are making kind of a, a Michael Jordan comparison with David Clifford getting the ball at the end of a shot clock and swinging over a magnificent point. It's it, just one of those many moments he's kind of catalogued in his career to date that mark him out as such a special talent. No doubt about it. To see that ball going up in, into the Tralee night sky on uh, on 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 Saturday night really was something special because you knew they simply had to get him on the ball. Where was he going to come from? He had dropped dropped back very deep because he obviously wanted to come from behind the ball and take it on in the way that he did. And oh, I don't know, but it it looked like a rehearsed play for him to come out and stand where he was. Uh, it very much looked like they have they have. Uh, played this out in training and it worked to perfection. They will be delighted with that win because really they should have been further ahead at that stage. They should have closed the game out even uh, and they didn't. That's a concern. But I do remember Jack O'Connor talking about Kerry beating Mayo in 2022 and how significant that game was. They beat them by a point in Trilly also on a Saturday night and David Clifford also kicked the winner that day, albeit by a free league, Keegan did have a chance after that. You might remember that game to equalise. But after the All-Ireland, Jack flagged that as being a night that he felt, not that they turned a corner, but that they built something extra. And I think the way they got themselves out of the hole that they found themselves in in the closing stages uh, the other night, I think that they will really take something from that. And that David Clifford kicked kicked that score and obviously as we suspect it was it was so well rehearsed that he has done it just shows he's on it again this year why would we ever doubt that he wouldn't be on it of course he would be but year after year that consistency that he brings to the league as well as his championship performance re- performances really is phenomenal okay last year he sat out a little bit obviously after his club campaign but in almost every other year the three previous years, he's been superb in league and championship. And it's really a phenomenal run of consistency from this player that he can go out and score five points. And maybe people think maybe, well, he's left two or three behind, but that's David Clifford. It was the All-Ireland final last year. It was the game against Tyrone. It was even the game against Derry last year when you think, oh, well, he could have scored more. He creates so many openings for himself and Kerry place him, obviously, at the head of everything in attack to get him on the ball in those moments. And there's no problem with that. And he had so little room to get that shot away. There was literally only maybe a foot of space that he could tread that through. And he did it with perfection. Really was a great score. Yeah, it was great. Kind of the way the camera tracked it, you could just see it from the moment it left his boot, it was just arcing over the bar. It for really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really was. And I think, you know, the All-Ireland final performance obviously got a lot of attention and it's because his standards are so high and that he consistently delivers that, you know, the times he doesn't become so kind of, kind of they kind of stick out all the more because of the standards he sets for himself. Like really, the, the All-Ireland final, the more we look at it, was an outlier in terms of, of uh, 
Lifford's sort of portfolio today, it's like more often than not, he, he nails those shots. And he didn't just hit the shot, he hit it over the black spot. Like it was just a perfect kick under intense pressure. And we're going to see more of that again. And I suppose, listen, you know, how many superlatives do we need at this stage? Like, uh, you know, but breaking Kerry down at this stage, why did they, did they lose the All-Ireland last year? And what might stop them winning it again this year? It, it's It's not... The Cliffords, because because as as much as we 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 sort of gone over David, his brother is as as good and impactful at times, and was again on on the, on, on Saturday night. I have concerns about their midfield. I, I think that that was a gap for them last year, and it has been over the last couple of years when it when it came to the sort of that, and, and not just last year and previous years, that they just haven't got the strongest midfield in terms of who they're putting out and the depth. And I I really like. Jim O'Connor is a player, um, but I'd, I'd like to see somebody slotting in into in, in in beside him, and, and and I just don't think that's their strongest part of the of, of, of the of the pitch. Joe Connor's getting tried out there, you know, didn't have a great impact on Saturday night, and I think you know midfield is a key area because Kerry plays such a kicking game, and it was great to watch. I watched it against against Monaghan, like they do like to let ball in early and play it through the foot, you know, having that sort of distribution feeder line from the middle of the field is, is, is key. So, you know, very good and pacey at the back. We know what to have up front, winning primary ball and delivering quick, accurate ball into the in, into the forward line is going to be key for them. And I'm just not sure they're at the level that they, they need to be to have complete conviction that they're sort of going to win an All-Ireland this year. That's my sense on it. What do you think, Colin? I, I, I think they'd be very happy with, uh, with Killian... Killian Burke's contribution, obviously a bit of talk about him after his performances with, with Kerry and Milton last year. But I thought he uh, I thought he assisted very well around mid, midfield. He came out and he got caught some kickouts. He's obviously only in the team. There's a lot of hope, a lot of uh, a lot of hope around that he can he can step up and step up quite quickly. And so far, and I think on Saturday night he showed that he can. He can break a tackle. He's got the most incredible arms when he's carrying a ball. He's almost if he was a if he was a centre in rugby, I think he'd offload every time. It's almost impossible to. Uh, it's a, he, he can just release the ball at the right time as well. And he looks to have a very, very good hand pass on him as well, perfectly weighted. So he seems to have a bit going for him. It's been a bit of a problem at 12. Obviously, Stephen O'Brien has filled that for a long time. But the wing forward positions have been uh, a little bit of a problem too for Kerry. But Killian Burke certainly looks like he can fill that this year and come quickly at it while also providing some valuable assistance to that midfield. I'd have a bit of faith in Dermot and, and Joe O'Connor. Joe O'Connor has shown a lot of good club form in Kerry. Um, a couple of years ago, he was being touted as someone who was going to come very, very fast after his performances uh, at club level. Um, and Dermot O'Connor, he's a very, very polished footballer. I think you know he's he's of the David Clifford uh, vintage. He's, he's, he's the same. But he, he's just been held back by injuries and whatever else. And, and maybe... Maybe now that the responsibility is on him, I think we'll see more from him because it came at times last year. There were games when he was, especially against Tyrone, where he's very good. Uh, and Joe O'Connor's probably got an even more physical presence. So I wouldn't be as concerned as yourself, Dick, about the Kerry midfield. Obviously, there's a lot of good midfield pairings out there, and you know Derry and Dublin have 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 the best. But out from that, I think Kerry can can come. Can I think what Burke can lend them from wing forward will compensate for that? Yeah, I think it's, it's probably over the, the over the history of the game. It's an area that that Kerry have always had very traditional, 
you know, dominant players going back to Jack O'Shea, Darrow O'Shea, and even then David Moore and, and, and probably injury robbed us at the best of him. But but even when they won the All-Irelands over the last couple of years, he was a, was a pivotal player. And I think just that sort of dominant, imposing figure, you know, it sits well with Kerry football because even with the modern game, that they still like to play, you know, big men around the middle that can catch a clean ball and have good feet going in I just and, and I do like Jim O'Connor and, and I think there is more in him and as you say hopefully this will be the year that he really push on and, and, and sort of stamp his place on, on that team not not that it's under question but to really sort of own that sort of mid, midfield area and compete with the Fentons and the, the glasses that are out there It's funny Colm I don't think many Kerry supporters necessarily would have you know said Jack Barry was the most important player on the team I know he was known to maybe get under Brian Fenton's skin a little or certainly negate his influence but his absence now has kind of created a lot of questions maybe they just kind of took his presence for granted because he was kind of a, a fairly long tenured member of the team yeah he was and he had he he always brought a bit of composure and possession I suppose as much as anything else and he was a little bit understated in his movement uh, you never thought he was traveling as fast as maybe maybe he he was but he's another body that was there I think I actually think that maybe Jack Mar- Barry may not have he may not have been first choice midfield this year. That might seem strange. I think Joe O'Connor was going to be pushed through anyway. I think if Stefano Cumbar was fit and ready, I think they would have been looking for options around midfield anyway. I don't think Jack Barry would have been a set in stone. Obviously, another bar, another body, and they would like to have him to ease this transition transition of midfield through, and especially with Killian Burke as well. But I think they would have been looking for change anyway in the Kerry midfield. And I think Joe O'Connor was is the one that they would have identified. So I think this is a, a natural progression anyway. Yeah, and Dick, earlier on Saturday, Dublin got their first win of the season. I suppose it was overshadowed by the tragic passing of their selector, Shane O'Hanlon. I know Desi Farrell kind of paid tribute to him um, after the game. And there's been other tributes on you know, Philly McMahon uh, riding in the Irish Independent on Saturday. So it was very much a, a very mixed week game for the panel. I'm sure it was a devastating blow to the players and the management team. It was, and, and I'm sort of a bit embarrassed that I, I didn't know Shane because by all accounts since, he seems to have been such a character, but, but I think that was his greatest strength. He sat behind the scenes. He didn't take the headlines. He'd just done that sort of unseen, selfless selfless work um, for, for the good of Dublin football. And, you know... I can relate to play people like that who are in the Monaghan background team who people wouldn't have known about. And, you know, you, you don't know the impact they have until you're, unless you're in there. And those Dublin players, both past and present and future, you know, will obviously sorely, sorely miss Shane's past. And so I think that's going to be a job for them to try and make sure that what he brought isn't lost. And, but equally, you know, you can sort of see, sense that the emotion that was in, in Desi Farrell's voice and, and from the comments that you said about Philly, Philly Mac and different ones, you know, it'll probably be a push on for them if there's any need for some of those players that are given the last dance to, to have some sort of sense of cause, you know, what better one than that to do something in, in Shane's memory. And listen, they got it off to a, a good start on Saturday night. They had a very, as I would call, a sloppy start of the league, leaving points behind them against Monaghan and Mayo, and they got the job done, which is sort of a suspected that they would do not did it just didn't have it have it their own way but you know they got back to sort of doing what they were to do best in terms of high press intensity on the opposition's kick out not letting them out easy and then getting direct ball into their target men in which they have in Conal Callaghan and it, you know it's a very simple formula and they'll have realised that it works and, and, and it's just a case of repeating that going forward and getting their players back and getting up to mat, match fitness they aren't going to be far away yeah, just on, on Conor Callahan, call him like uh, Joe Brawley, call him a couple of weeks ago. He said that Dublin had turned Conor Callahan from Diego Maradona into James Milner. 
and Joe recounted an exchange he said he had with Conor Callahan's dad, where Conor Callahan's dad was lamenting the fact that he wasn't getting direct ball. Conor Callahan wasn't getting direct ball in and around the goal mount, but they certainly fed him at the weekend, and he had one of his best performances in a long, long time. Yeah, and Dublin need that that goal threat. I know that he scored four points on uh, Saturday night, but they need that daring from Conor Callan. The Conor Callan that took on the Mayo defence in the 2020 All-Ireland final behind closed doors and the Con that uh, scored the two goals against Mayo in the in the uh, All-Ireland semi-final in 2019. And if you look at that sense of daring he had against Tyrone and against Mayo in 2017, that's what he brought in the first few years of his career. He became a more conservative player. There is no doubt about that in, in recent times. And if you're looking at Dublin well-being, you'll always look at a few key players. How's Brian Fenton going? How's Kieran Kilkenny going? And how is Conor Callaghan going? If there's green lights for all those three, everybody else is in trouble. I always think that because Fenton looked good the other night. He looked like he was on it and he was directing the play. Kilkenny early on as well was showing pretty well. But Conor Callaghan really, really came strong. And he's a very elusive player. Um, might have just dipped. I would probably agree with that. And uh, he has become more conservative, whether by accident or by design. He had become more conservative in his play. But when he takes on defences, he frightens them. He frightens them in a way that maybe only maybe only David Clifford frightens them more. And I think Dublin would want to see that. And they should encourage more of it as well. But they certainly pulled away well in the second half. And with those three players, Probably Fenton and Conor Callaghan more so. Um, showing good form, I think Dublin will pick up now from here and they'll finish high up in the in the league table. Well, it sets up a great game on Saturday night, Dick. You know, Dublin, Kerry, Croke Park doesn't get much more exciting than that. It's funny, like Desi Farrell again after the game. Now, I'm not sure what he was asked, but again, stressing that the league, our league status doesn't matter to us. We won the championship from Division 2 last year. So, you know, it's actually Division 2. You can blood more players with less pressure. It could even be a benefit. So, I don't know what would what take that with a pinch of salt, but like, is it important for either team in particular? Do you think to get a win on Saturday night? Like, would one team benefit far more than, than taking that scalp? Ah, uh, here, listen. You, you go back over the last half a dozen years. I, I can't just think of my, I'm not an encyclopedia like Callum. I'm sure there was there was games in in the winter or the spring between Dublin and Kerry that we thought it might have had impact later in the in the summer, and it didn't. I think I think it it, it it's always an event. It's that traditional rivalry. There's there's short term bragging rights, but in terms of what what value or or, or need does it have at this time of year? Right. Well. Both sets of teams have players that that are under the microscope at the minute in terms of well, are, are they going to be a championship player or not, right? And it's it's very important for those players, right? We already mentioned a Joe O'Connor. Just take him as an example, right? Joe, here's an opportunity for you now in Croke Park, hard sod against Brian Fenton, who we've already referenced as playing the football of his year, right? How do you do? There's really big opportunity for a player like him to sort of showcase himself on the biggest of stages, albeit in a you know a, 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 you know less than half full Croke Park. But that's a, that's that's a milestone for a player like Joe Connor and and these players that are coming in terms of their own journey. And Dublin will have similar players like that as well. So it, it's very important for them because a good night it sort of strengthens their card for for getting selection. If not, if they're under pressure, well, then they slip back. So, so that's where I think these games have have most relevance for these top top teams that aren't necessarily fighting for Division One survival and and putting a, a huge, you know, a credence on that. Unlike other teams that we'll come to in a minute. So, I think that's what it goes. I'll be so I'll be looking at that game on Saturday night, looking for these players that 
you know, they're the unknowns. They're, they're not rolling off the tongue like the Fentons or the Cliffords or the O'Callaghan's. Who are the other players that are going to bolster these core players come come the summer? Because that's that's what this time of year is, is is around in terms of the value of the relevance. The result, either way, is either team going to have a bigger or lesser chance in the summer? No, it's it's really to sort of see is there any any players sort of showing more against it? It'll have a championship feel about it because it always sort of does that traditional rivalry. So it's to see that how these players operate at, under those circumstances, you know. Yeah, and Dublin have a trip to Derry, I think, the, the the following game. So if they were to lose at home to Kerry, all of a sudden only one win on the board, potentially after five matches, if Derry continue that form, could put them in a bit of a tricky spot. But as I touched on, Desi Farrell doesn't seem too concerned about uh, their, their league place at the moment. Colm, you were at Tyrone Galway. Um, you know, what was the kind of standout talking point for you from that game? Uh, I think after Mayo beat Galway by eight points, and a very insipid Galway performance first day out in Pierce Stadium. A lot of Galway people would have come away very, very disappointed with the fight or absence of it that was in their team that day. And obviously they went and got a draw against Russ Common. But I think they'd be really heartened by the second half uh, of this game, of their performance in the second half yesterday, how they really, they really dug deep. There's no doubt about that. They're missing a lot of players. They're missing key players, probably... They're shorn of more key players than any other top team there is. Obviously, Shane Walsh did start. Damian Comer is out. Uh, Killian McDade, Liam Silk, Jack Lynn, who has been Young Footballer of the Year. And the main man for them is Sean Kelly. Sean Kelly's their leader. He is the temperature. You take your temp, take Galway's temperature by Sean Kelly. He just drives everything. He was only on the field 40 seconds when Galway scored a goal. But you just think that the the whole pace and intensity of Galway, it, it was probably getting up there anyway, but it lifted another notch with Kelly on the field. And when he got the ball, he makes yards every time. And if they could find a way to release him from fullback, and by the way, when he's playing fullback, he'll find himself up the other end of the field anyway, filling, filling that spot, uh, other parts of the field. But if they could release him to another part of the field higher up, they'd get so much more out of him. Because when he's on, when he, as I said, when he's on, it just changed everything for Galway, I felt. Um, and the performance of Johnny Heaney as well. Johnny Heaney was taken off against Mayo at halftime. And I'm pretty sure he didn't start the last game against Russ Common. But in the second half, <laughs> he really took it to, he really took it to uh, Tyrone as well. So all told, I thought Galway deserved their win how they came at it. And I think Tyrone are in deep transition. There's a lot of players that, you know, you'd think that they're very, very much on the periphery, but could become main players over the next over the next few weeks and months. And I think they'll probably have to be. They took off Derek Canavan, Tyrone, about 56 minutes in. He was going pretty well. He was being marked. He was being marked well by Johnny McGrath, who's had a good record against uh, key forwards like Ryan O'Donoghue and Ben O'Carroll, but still Derek Hanneman had he had just got through for a point some minutes earlier. Um, but they took him off, obviously, because of his Sigerson Cup exploits during the week. And that's, you have to say, that's good player welfare. But also in the, in the, in the long run, probably caught Tyrone as well by not having him on, on the field. He probably would have got a point from somewhere that somewhere off the cuff to get them to get them a draw. You would have to expect expect that, even though he was replaced by his brother Rory, he started out. So good player welfare in one part from from Tyrone, but obviously people will say, well, if you left him on. So it's a bit of a dilemma, a balancing act for Tyrone. I have to say, 
I thought Niall Morgan's performance for Tyrone was really something. He made a great save uh, at, to deny Cahill Sweeney a second goal, but his contributions up the field, some of his passing, um, I'm pretty sure he set up two points. One was with the most deft pass for one of the Tyrone cornerbacks, but also he caught a ball over the crossbar. And I'd say he was a foot and a half off the ground and his reach to stop a Matthew Tierney 45 uh, going over. All round, I think what he brings, I think himself and Shane Ryan are the best outfield players as goal, best goalkeepers who can come out and play the game outfield with the most composure and do the best things on the ball. But I think Niall Morgan, even with his even with his kicking, brings even he brings even more. And then the save he made as well. And he scored a point, which might have been a goal. Imagine a goalkeeper coming up and scoring a goal. It was literally just six inches over. It flashed over. So so all round, his performance was was very was very strong. But I think Galway will be very comforted going back down the road that in the knowledge that even though Walsh and Comer and some of these players are still a good bit off yet, that they got that performance. Yeah, there was a great photo on Twitter of that catch you mentioned there and just the, the, the kind of elevation sorry, that he got to, to take that ball was something special. Um, Dick, want to talk about Division 2 for a bit before we finish up because there's so many storylines down there and I know we touched on kind of the teams at the bottom a few weeks ago but now as their slides have continued like Cork losing at home to Cavan you know, Kildare getting you know heavily beaten by our man and afterwards Glen Ryan seemingly getting into a spat with a local journalist over coverage of you know a county board meeting in recent times like two teams that we expect to be definitely competing in the Sam Maguire um, ordinarily look like they're destined for Talchon Cup football which would be a disaster for both counties it's, it's not good and like I I like Glen Ryan like and and but but it, it's hard to to see those reactions it was the same last year after the Monon defeat and there's, there's too often that there's excuses or deflections or some other agenda has been discussed as almost a way to vent as opposed to just focusing on on the dire performances of that team and that really is, 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 is all that can be said at this stage to be fair to everybody involved like you, you look at their performances you look at their score on average there's, there's something really broken in Kildare football at this stage like we've, we've given them enough benefit of the doubt hoping that there might be a performance because nobody wants to see Kildare down in Tangent Cup that's not what the Talchon Cup I know people say oh you're down there if your results are bad enough there. that's not what the Talchon Cup is for like Kildare shouldn't have gone from one year to be in a kick of a ball of an All-Ireland semi-final or sorry a, a quarter-final and to be in Tangent Cup now, there, there, there's something that that's too big a big of a drop for for a county like Kildare. So I I don't know. You know, it would be better for everyone concerned if 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 Glenn and the team would maybe you know shine some light on what's going wrong, take a bit of ownership and accountability as opposed to try and deflect that to somewhere else because they they need to find something. They they, they they're just getting nothing in terms of of the performances. I I thought again it was maybe a wee bit naive that they might have, might have found something to try and get a performance against Armagh but by all accounts I didn't see it just the highlights but from 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 you know looking at a few Twitter feeds and, and a few reports that they were just completely outplayed and outthought right across the pitch which which is very worrying um, Cork the same I think they sort of maybe put up a better fight or close to a better fight against against Calvin who have shown great you know bounce back in terms of of, of, of their resilience and are pushing the top two in that fourth foot but like 
here, how many times are we going to sit here on a, on a Monday morning talking about Cork and Kildare, the, you know, the size and the potential that they have and, and they just seem to be making no... And like the reality is if they don't get out of that because of the way the provincials and all the rest, that they're playing Talchin Cup football, it's... It, it, you know, whatever the chairman's saying, and, and, and they need to say more, not less. You know, somebody needs to. You know, it is crisis stages in a case in, in a situation like that. It's 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 about pulling on the big boy pants and sort of saying, right, there is a problem here, and it's trying to understand what the problem is. Is there stuff going on in the dressing room? Is there inter you know conflicts between players, or is there something going on because there's something chronically wrong with Kildare at the minute, and and we're not hearing any solid reasons why. Colin, what's your perspective on Cork and Kildare? Like, do you think there's a pathway for either team to, to rescue the situation or are they both destined for the Talchin Cup? I think there's a pathway for both still in division. As bad as things are, and they seem really bad for both now on a Monday morning after bad defeats because I would have expected a reaction. Obviously, there was some reaction from 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 Cork after losing to Louth and that they led against Cavan and missed goal chances in the first half the last day but there was no response from Kildare. And that's really, really worrying for them because the, those players are are better than that. They, they showed it last year in their ability to keep Dublin uh, at bay for a long time in the Leinster semi-final and also to beat Roscommon. So there is there is a level of form there that they're not finding. And these are worrying times. And obviously, I don't think Glenn Ryan's exchange with the media afterwards would have helped. In fact, I think it's probably exacerbated it a little bit. Um, we got Tommy Callahan from the Leinster League is a very respected figure and I'm sure Glenn it's something he probably regrets it hasn't made his task any easier now uh, if there was an issue around the reporting of that county board meeting I'm pretty sure the chairman Mick Gorman would have been on to those who who, who reported it and those who carried it thereafter I'm quite sure of that so uh, from that point of view uh, didn't didn't help they're really, really flat, really poor. Having said that, I saw Armagh play Mead the two weeks before that. Armagh really impressive. Uh, having come down, I think they're going straight back up. They've, there's a lot of pace, a lot of athleticism about that team. Uh, and I think they are right in the hunt this year uh, as much as they were last year. They're a team that has you know, held their ground pretty well despite their defeats last year to to Monaghan on penalties and Derry on penalties. They keep coming back and they're back again from what I have seen in those two league games, especially obviously day one against Loud, day one against Loud, they weren't they weren't as impressive. But since then they've really they've beaten Armagh or they've beaten Mead and, and Kildare in very similar fashion by by twelve and fourteen points, that's as bad as Mead and Kildare have been and are. That's impressive from Armagh too, and they have Donegal coming up next weekend. That's going to be a great battle. Obviously, I think the two of them will get through, but yeah, I I do think Kildare can still find points from somewhere. Maybe, maybe it's going to ch- take a change. I think Glenn Ryan wants to stay on, but I think his position is probably going to be precarious after after that performance because the mood in the county is not great and context of the chairman's comments at the county board meeting as well that results would and performances would have to improve well neither have improved on the basis of on the basis of sunday so they're they're concerning times they're certainly better than what they're showing uh but i, I don't know what it's going to take to to get them there and it's it's going to happen fa- it's going to have to happen fast yeah well a couple of very important weeks for for those teams. Just before we finish up, Dick, you touched on Calvin just to give them a little bit more uh, kudos. Obviously, you know, Raymond Galligan coming in, you know, recently playing with that 
group, you know, never easy to make that transition. But, you know, getting two wins on the board out of the first three, I know Donegal and Armagh are kind of flying high and look at class above the rest, but Cavan have done really, really well in the opening couple of weeks of this league campaign. The have and and huge credits like that that wasn't an easy job to take. I was very sort of surprised to see it. It's, it's quite unusual for a player you know to step so quickly from 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 the dressing room into the into the manager house. So huge credits, great start. He's got two nice fixtures. Yes, away to Louth and Louth are, are are showing good form and, and at home to Meath. You'd like to think that they're going to pick up points there as well. So they're going to be in the mix. Yes, Armand and Donegal seem to be just slightly out in front of, of, of Calvin at the minute. So be a lot of I've doing a bit of work with with, with people in Calvin at the minute. So, you know, there's always that rivalry across the border. But I've since I stopped playing, I've sort of let that simmer a wee bit. So it's always good to have have Ulster counties competing well. It feeds into the Ulster Championship. So listen, they're 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 progressing well. They'll be they'll be very happy with where they're at. They'll not have to worry about slipping back. You know, they made bad work to be honest with you over the last couple of years, slipping back as far as division four. That should never really have happened. So they're back cementing themselves as a as a top division two team. Whether they can get back up in division one, I'd say it'll be a stretch this year, probably just too much of a gap. But listen, fair play to Raymond Gallon. Tough job, doing really well, and you couldn't you couldn't but wish him wish him well at the minute in terms of the role that he's taken on there. Yeah, certainly one of the success stories across the opening couple of weeks of the season. I'd like to thank Colm and Dick for joining me on this week's episode of the Throwing Football Show. We will be back next week with another podcast looking back on Dublin versus Kerry, as well as all the rest of the football action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>